Good morning. Well, when you entitle something neighborly, you probably think about your neighbors. And um, so I thought I'd show you, maybe turn it on, that'll help. I thought I'd show you where I live. This is from Google Earth 2014. This is where I live. I live in Ringwood North in Lynn Court. You're welcome to visit me, number seven down on the right in the bowl of the court. Give me some warning, please. Um, And don't go to my front door. The doorbell doesn't work. But anyway, um, I live in a great place. I love where I live. And um, my kids are often out the front playing sport just them or with neighbors or things like that. And if ever I go out and stand with them, I find that very regularly um, I'll begin, I'll see a neighbor and begin conversation. And the vast array of conversations that you can have with different people um, in the court is amazing. They are experts on so many things, particularly cars, which slightly bores me, but that's okay. Um, cooking, all sorts of things. I know that if I need help or advice, I can go um, and get a vast array from these people to do with gardening, how to kill what you think is a snake, which is actually a blue-tongued lizard, or what to do when you lock yourself out the house, just go in and eat tea with them and stay with them and all sorts of lovely things like that. So um, we have really good neighbours, I think, on the whole. We're not too close. We're certainly not as close as you are um, with them. But I think one of the reasons that um, that we are good neighbours as a whole is that we have good intentions. I think we all intend um, to be neighbourly, and so we are. As Nandi said, we're um, finishing off this month with spreading out. How do we spread out? And we've been looking at these things because Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we've been looking at it like this. We've been thinking about spreading out where we are, spreading out in the city, spreading out with the marginalized and spreading out to the outer limits. We've been thinking about that so far. Jesus's final instructions to the disciples in most of the accounts are spread out spread out. In John, he says, follow me. What he wants people to do is, his disciples to do, is take what they've seen, take what they've learned, take what they've experienced, take what they've become, and to witness to Jesus, to show Jesus to the world around them. Because the world in Jesus's day needed Jesus. I imagine most of us sitting here actually think, I think our world needs Jesus too. I think our world needs Jesus' peace. It needs his forgiveness. It needs his grace. It needs his love, his compassion, his healing. We could go on and on all morning just listing off all the things of Jesus um, that the world needs. And I need Jesus too. I imagine many of you here already recognize that in yourselves too, a need for Jesus. Well, I think that... um, Let's go to black. There we are. Um, I think that spreading out is a neighborly thing to do for, for two reasons. I'm sure there are more. But one of them is that there is a certain sense of togetherness. And I think the other one is that we would hope that the intentions are honorable. We'd hope that the intentions are good. I think in our current world, the sense of togetherness is lost for many of us. We might join clubs where there is a good sense of togetherness, but you don't necessarily have that. Our fences are higher than they were. Often, if you're somebody that reads the Bible, I know that often when I read the Bible and I come across the word you, I read it as me. I don't read it as us. But I think that actually if we spread out with a sense of togetherness, I think it's a much deeper and a much richer spreading out than if we do it on our own. 
if we look at Jesus's life, we see that he does it in community. When he's spreading out, when he's um, teaching people and healing people, he's doing it together. And we can read in the Bible that it says, how will people see Jesus in us? Through our love for each other. So this beautiful sense of togetherness. And I know that we're different. I can look around the room and I know we have different personalities. We have different giftings. We have different skills, different interests, and all things like that. So we represent Jesus in a slightly different way from other people, which means that then when we come together, it's much fuller um, and it's much more whole. I was talking to somebody um, just this week and we breathed a sigh of relief that we're different. We went, thank goodness we don't have to be it all. Thank goodness we don't have to do it all. We just have to do our part and to do our part wholeheartedly. And then intentions on the other side. I think that we would agree that Jesus's intentions were good and were honorable. I don't think you'd have many people that would disagree with that. In fact, at the very, very start of Jesus's ministry, before he becomes this teacher for three years, He actually declares his intentions. He says, this is actually what I stand for. This is why I've come. A little bit like in America, somebody standing up and saying, I'm going to run for president in whatever accent they would say it in. Um, I'm going to run for president. And maybe they would say, this is what I believe in. And so you'd know that their policies, what they're thinking, would be based on that. But actually, when Jesus comes along and he actually sets out his intentions, He actually isn't saying, I'm going to run to be the Messiah. I'm going to run to be the best rabbi, because he already is. We actually see that he's actually been through his inauguration ceremony. He's been through um, his anointing for it already in his baptism. I loved what Justine shared um, this morning and sung as well. I love the fact that at Jesus' baptism, he is anointed with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit descends upon him and that Jesus um, hears his Father, God, speak. And what do we all need to hear? What did Jesus need to hear too at that moment? His Father saying to him, I love you, son. I am well pleased with you, son. Wonderful to hear that from God. Somebody once um, put this image in my head, and I love it to do with the baptism, that when Jesus arose from the waters, there was a crown on his head. Obviously, nobody standing on the banks of the river saw it, but I wonder whether those in the heavens could see the crown on his head when he came up out of the water. So he has his baptism, his inauguration. Then he goes, as many of you will know, into the desert um, and where he's tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And then we read this. This is what comes next. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Jesus is already being seen as a teacher. This is only the start of his time as a teacher, but word is already spreading through Galilee that he is a teacher and that there is power, there is something about him. So then he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. So he's known there. It wasn't a very big town at the time. His family would certainly have been known there, the carpenter's family, Joseph's family there. And as was customary in those days, if you were known as a teacher and you went to the, into the synagogue, you were invited to read to read the scriptures, and then to say what you, how you interpreted them, what you thought of them. And I can imagine, for some reason it's little old women in my head, but I'm sure it wasn't, but I can imagine there would have been many sitting there who would have been going, oh, here's our boy, I remember him when he did this. Oh, don't you remember? Oh, his carpentry wasn't as good as his dad's or whatever. But who would have been quite excited? Here's our boy who's become a teacher and he's going to come and speak to us. And then I imagine that the level of excitement Excitement goes up slightly higher because he's going to read from Isaiah 61, which may make us go, oh. But to them, I think they would have gone, oh, and got a bit more excited because Isaiah 61 um, was something to do with the Jubilee. It was this time when God was going to restore the glory to Israel, that he was going to come back, he was going to right wrongs. And in doing so, he would take what had been taken from the, Jew, from the Jews and given to the non-Jews, the Gentiles, and he would return it to them. And he would bless the Jews enormously. And it, by, to do this, he would, um, he would make the Gentiles work for the Jews. So it was actually quite a message of judgment. It was a message of hope for the Jews, but it was a message of judgment upon the Gentiles. And so they would have thought if they had um, patriotic hairs on their head or something, I imagine they would have tingled as they saw Jesus get up and that he was going to read from this scroll. But actually, Jesus does two things that completely stuns them. And it um, begins this conversation that continues and means that they actually take him out and they want to throw him off a cliff. So probably not a great start. If you imagine maybe, um, I know nothing about American politics, so if what I say is just nonsense, sorry. But in my head, in America, they don't seem to shift much in their political thinking, hence I'm using America. So I imagine it's a little bit like um, a suburb in a, of an American town where they're very Republican, and they have this boy that grows up as a good Republican boy. And um, they teach him their ways. He's a good boy. He goes off to college. And they hear, oh, he's gone into politics. How exciting. And then the posters go up around town. He's coming back and he's going to um, tell us what he stands for and everything. Well, home he comes. But to their horror, they discover he's become a Democrat. Something like that. And they would be stunned. Well, in some ways, there's a similarity with that here. The first thing that Jesus does that would have stunned them is that he takes this passage, which is a passage of um, patriotism, a passage of judgment on the Gentiles, and he completely flips it on his head, and he turns it into a passage of mercy and of grace. Later on in the conversation, he actually talks about two things that have happened in Israel's past. And both of the things that he chooses to speak on are about a man and a woman. And these people had incredible faith, and God blessed them. And they're both Gentiles. They're not Jews. Jesus was not sticking to their agenda. He had an agenda of his own. 
And then the second stunner, the second thing that he does is having finished the reading, we read it at the end, he says, I am he, I am the one, I am the Messiah, and this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to base what I'm going to do on. The crowd would have been stunned. And what a stirring way to begin your intentions, to declare what you're going to do and what you stand for. So if Jesus, as the Messiah, wasn't coming back with the biggest intention to restore Israel to its former glory, what was he going to do? What were his intentions? If we actually look at the passage that he read out, that we looked at before, we can see that he really meant what he said. He didn't just think, oh, what's, what will do? What can I settle on? What sort of outlines roughly enough what I actually want to say? Because actually he takes Isaiah 61, the bits that he quotes from, and he actually edits bits out. He doesn't read it exactly as it is written. He takes certain bits out, and he actually adds certain bits in. He takes something from Isaiah 58. It's thought that at the time, if you were reading from the prophets, you could actually do that, and then you could bring out your message from that. So he wasn't breaking their traditions in that way. But he really does mean to bring this message of grace and of mercy. He's intending what he says. He's not settling for what he says. And the way that Jesus actually then constructs what he says um, is a very typical Jewish way. So let's look at this. So they would, um, they would construct it like this, A, B, C, B, A. So this is what Jesus wants to say. This isn't what he's settling for. This is what he wants to say his intentions are. So if we look at the beginning and the end, his intentions are to proclaim, to tell, to speak out. And what does he want to speak out? He wants to speak out good news to the poor. The Hebrew word for poor there is most likely poor in spirit, which means those that there is a hunger for God. When Justine, sorry, I'm picking on you this morning. When Justine said, um, I was running from God, I reckon God would have looked in her heart and known even though her feet and her head were running, her heart was longing for him and needing him. And he knew she would come back. So to see who is it out there that's got a hunger. Maybe they don't know it yet, but there's a hunger in. Um, And I have good news for them. If we look at Jesus's life, we see that when he meets people, he knows their hearts. And to those that have that sense of hunger, curiosity, he speaks with hope and peace. He might challenge them a little bit, but he speaks with love. But he does speak harshly and with challenge sometimes. But it's those that come with hard hearts to him, those that come um, with testing hearts to him. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor because Jesus was here. He was the king. He had come. This was the beginning of a new age, the beginning of something new. And Jesus could proclaim it and be that start. The next one's in justice. He has come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. That B, the first B, to proclaim freedom from the prisoners, is actually what he's brought in from Isaiah 58. He wants to say this. And the Isaiah 58 passage is where God is saying to the people that he doesn't want, he's sick and tired of their pious gestures, of them just turning up to do the right thing, of them sacrificing and fasting because it's the right thing. He's sick of it. He wants to see that knowing him makes a difference in their lives. He wants to see that... Um, being 
God's people means that they live with justice in their lives. He wants to see um, freedom from the prisoners. And then to set the oppressed free is a passage about refugees being allowed to come home. But this great sense that Jesus wants to bring freedom to people. He wants to see the oppressed set free. He loves those um, that struggle. We see as we look at the accounts of Jesus, who does he hang out with? He hangs out with the marginalized. Who does he hang out with? He hangs out with the oppressed. Those are the people that he chooses to be with, with his longing to set them free. And then the middle one is the climax. It's a funny climax in some ways, to open the eyes of the blind. This is something people thought the Messiah will do when he comes. He will open the eyes of the blind. And we see Jesus does do that often. But actually, I think what makes it the climax is that it's an act of compassion. It's to the one person right in front of Jesus at that moment. I don't know that there are accounts where he says, eyes be opened, and everybody who's blind before him's eyes are opened. He stands before the people who are blind, and with love and compassion towards them, he declares or does things, and their eyes are opened. It is this beautiful act of compassion. And we see in Jesus compassion and love daily. Everything we um, read about him, there is compassion and love coming through, culminating, obviously, in the greatest act of love completely, of him dying on the cross for us. So Jesus' mission is to proclaim, proclaim the good news, to bring justice, to set the oppressed free, and to love and be compassionate So for those of us here who choose to follow Jesus, then we take on this sense that we need to spread out, whether we're spreading out just near or far away from us. Our intentions need to be intentions of mercy and of grace to the world around us, that we as a community together speak of Jesus, that we advocate for justice that love motivates it all. But fortunately, individually, we don't have to do it all because we can't. Individually, we have to do our part of this wholeheartedly. Some of you will know, as followers of Jesus, your wiring. Some of you will know, well, I know actually what my part is. We've had so many great interviews up here this month. We listened right near the start to Phil Jones, who's over in Mexico, working in a cafe over there. And his, what's his desire? To speak of Jesus to people, to show Jesus to people. Jen Aiton was up here last week talking about what she does with youth dimension, how in her lunchtime she goes into schools and she speaks of Jesus. Next week we're going to have um, a group of mainly young people, I think, who are heading off to the Philippines to play basketball and to speak of Jesus. Maybe that's your wiring too. It may be that you're actually somebody who... um, irks, I think that's the right word, against injustice. And actually, you like to fight for justice in whatever way. We heard a couple of um, weeks ago, it was really good, if you didn't listen to it, when Troy was speaking and he interviewed Pete Bergmeier, all about his work with the Aborigines. Um, And it's recorded, the interview's recorded, so worth getting on and listening to that. And um, having just recognized, Pete, alongside a number of people, has recognized that there is a hurt in this land that there needs to be healing in this land because of um, the injustices against the Aborigines. And just thinking really thoughtfully through what can be done, what can be done to bring healing. It was great. 
Maybe it's um, acts of compassion and love that you know that you're wired for, whether further afield again or whether nearby. But I think there are times when every single one of us that is a follower of Jesus needs to speak for Jesus. I think we all need to choose in the way that we live to live justly. And I think that it must be love that motivates us. That must be our motivation. That as we together spread out, may God's compassion and truth and justice and love spread through us that it will be known and seen by the world around us. This week, we're launching our appeal for East Timor. It's very exciting, and in a moment, Nandi's going to come and tell us all about that. We've been um, linked with East Timor for a long time, for a number of years, 2003. We've been linked um, with East Timor. And much work has been done there. Have we spread out to East Timor? Have we revealed Jesus and shown Jesus to East Timor? I think we can celebrate and say yes. Archie is over there. She's the pastor of New Community Church in East Timor. And she speaks Jesus, and we love her and encourage her and support her however we can as she does that. Fiona Hamilton used to be a member here, and she now lives over there. And we love to encourage her as she beautifully loves and speaks Jesus over there. There are people here, I know, who... um, who want to stand up for the injustices that have happened in East Timor and that continue to happen with East Timor. I know that there are people who are being very creative and really thoughtful um, in the way that they want to stand up for those injustices. And boy, have we shown compassion and love over there over the last few years, whether it's the people who have visited and loved and Um, shown things, whether they visited and done practical things to help. Lots of that's happened. But also in the appeals that we've had. Over the years, many things have happened as a result of the appeals. Nandi will tell us a bit more about that. But we're going to stop and we're going to watch a video now. Let me just move that off there. We're going to watch a video. Last year, we raised $58,000, and a, some school buildings were built in a place called Makalaku. I've practiced that word. <laughs> in a place called Makalaku. And the team this year were really fortunate that they got to go to Makalaku, and they got to actually see the opening of these new schools. And so they videoed it. So we get to see this too. So let's have a look. Oh, there we are. Um, if we choose to follow Jesus, as I know many of us in this room do, we are called to spread out. What an amazing opportunity we have to spread out our love and compassion. Thanks, guys, for sharing that with us. What an amazing opportunity we have. So let's do that. Let's be generous in this way, but let's remember also to proclaim Jesus and to fight for justice and to do all things in love. I love when we read the account that before Jesus did any of these things, he had God's Holy Spirit come and fill him, that he heard those words of affirmation from God, you are my child who I love. So as we finish up today, we're going to sing Jesus be the center of it all. We're going to sing that in a moment. And maybe during that time, you want to sing wholeheartedly because you recognize that we need Jesus in this world. We need Jesus to spread out through us to others. 
But maybe at this time you need to um, say, please, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm struggling to spread out at the moment. Maybe I need you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill me again that I can spread out, that you will spread out through me. Maybe it's that you can say to God, God, I'm not sure I'm struggling a bit with knowing that you love me, with knowing that I am loved. Maybe that's the opportunity to say, God, will you show me please today that you love me and be open to hear his voice saying, I love you, I love you. If you are someone who's just checking Jesus out, can I encourage you to say, Jesus, if you are real, then please show yourself to me today because he is the best thing, can I say. All right, thanks, guys.